Welcome to the Forward Miami Show. My name is Damian Pardo. I'm your host. JC is next to me, co-host. And today we have a very special guest. But before I go there, I want to make sure you know that we're Forward Miami, the number four, W-A-R-D Miami. We're a local nonprofit and we work on diversity and inclusion and we try to bring people together on a variety of issues. So today we're very, very fortunate to have with us Rosa Maria Payá Acevedo. And the reason I say we're very fortunate is because every time I talk about this issue, everyone says, have you talked to Rosa Maria? <laughs> have you spoken with Rosa Maria? And I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, it's really we, true. Need, we, need, we need to get our hands you know, on Rosa Maria. And, and it's really important in Miami. I don't think people here understand how important it is. Mm -hmm. You know, 62 to 64% is Cuban-American in Miami. And this is an issue that doesn't run just through Havana. It runs through Hialeah, West Aid, mm -hmm. and a lot of homes. So we're, we feel blessed that you're here. And I'd love for you to open up by telling us a little bit about you. Of course. Thank, thank you so much for, for the invitation. I, I, I'm really sorry for your previous experiences. <laughs> I'm sure you, you have a lot of uh, already good ideas and, and opinions on what we should be discussing on, about Cuba. And as you said, I mean, uh, Cubans are a minority in the United States, not in Miami. Not in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yes, uh, the, 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 the Cuban situation is, is a domestic topic here. And and since God, the, the, the given nation, as I understand it, lives inside the island, but also outside the island. Mm -hmm. Cubans in Miami are also Cubans with, with the same uh, rights and, and even the same right to try to change the reality there. The same right to try to affect the reality for the better of all, of all Cubans. Um, and that was also what my father uh, well, how did was, you how did you get to this? If you give a little background, yeah, I was about to, <laughs> because uh, it it the, the story actually does not uh, begin with me. Uh, my father and, and my father family. I think that my mother families too were as many other families here in 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 Miami were always confronted by the Cuban regime, were always a target of the Cuban regime because they just disagree with the system, they disagree with the communism. And after they married, my mother and my father and a group of, a, a bunch of friends founded a, the Christian Liberation Movement, which was a non-confessional movement. The name Christian is uh, inspirational there, is because it's, it's, it was founded uh, based on the humanistic values uh, uh, that are also Christians. Mm -hmm. And my father and my mother are Catholics, and many of the founders were Catholics, but it was a non-confessional movement dedicated to uh, mobilize the Cuban people to demand uh, human rights and to change the Cuban system in the direction of uh, bringing democracy. Of course, that's a very um, hard goal mm -hmm. in the in the cuba of the 90s it is in the cuba of the 21st century also uh, but that was the way in, I, in which i grew up i grew up being the daughter of a dissident that that um, later on was the most prominent or one of the most prominent dissidents and a leaders not just of the 
civil society, but of the citizenry that are, that were that were trying to uh, provoke that change. He, my father, led the Barela project, which is well known in 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 the area. But uh, for the people that don't know what it is, it, it it was a project of law to change the law to guarantee human rights. Of course, when we say hey, project of law in a totalitarian Cuban, what were you thinking, guys? The thing is that they uh, they the Cuban not the Cuban constitution, but the, the, the piece of paper that the communists had there <laughs> allowed uh, the citizens to have initiative of law. Of course, that was just um, a phrase on the constitution, but it was the phrase that tens of thousands, I will repeat, tens of thousands of Cubans inside the island used to say to the Cuban regime, hey, we are using your law to tell you that you have to change. And that that ended up being the biggest uh, organized movement demanding and the more popular in the sense that were thousands of Cubans engaging with a tool to change the system to guarantee human rights. Of course, we were facing, and we are facing, a criminal dictatorship that uh, ignored that legal right of the Cuban people that uh, put in jail all the leaders of the Varela project that were members of the opposition and that also um, aberrate their own law to make that almost impossible. Uh, and a few years afterward, killed my father and, and a dear friend that was also a leader of the Varela project. He was actually expelled from the university. He was in the university when, when the Varela project campaign took place and he was expelled from the university because of his participation and talking about Harold Sepero and he was 32 years old the actually uh, I just I'm realizing right now he was my age, Your age yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, when he was killed in 2012 and um, and we are trying to continue that legacy uh, which is mainly the conviction that we as Cubans, we have the strength on us to change that system and uh, that we can do it. And we need to just bring more people, move more people, but also we need to move the international community, also mm. this community. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we try to do with Cuba Cid. Yeah, with Cuba Decide. This, so yeah. Cuba Decide. Yeah, it's that about, beautiful t-shirt that you have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's about letting Cuba decide. Exactly. Why do you think, you know, the Varela project was pretty well known internationally, mm -hmm. but not so much here in the U.S.? And I, I think sometimes what's happening there doesn't seem to get the attention, I feel, that it should in local media or English media. Or can you comment? Yeah, totally. I, uh, I, and it's, it's very shameful because... A lot of opportunity get lost because of that. I mean, I think that right now it's pretty clear that we are not in 1989 anymore. I mean, the people in the streets are not enough. And I'm saying this like in a responsible way because in the island we are trying to mobilize people to make public protest, but we also want to protect that people. And, and, uh, and at the same time, we have seen what took place in Venezuela, one million persons on the streets, the tanks 
on the street also against the people and nothing happened in the sense that the regime is still there. Mm -hmm. So that's, a, that's an illustration of how these regimes that have evolved into criminal organizations, but they are also very well uh, rooted in a, in a political structure, uh, in, the, in, the, in the given case, in the communist structure, these regimes needs to be pressured from inside, but also from outside, because they have the weapons and they're ready to use it. And in that sense, we need to put our word out there. Uh, and the Varela project was a, a, a very important moment. It was a moment in which we were so close to get to to actually have success in 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 in, in beginning a transition process, and the Cuban people didn't enjoy the solidarity of the international community and the and the United States in the at the level that it was required at the level that the and that the circumstances were demanding and that happened because a lot of reasons i mean the cuban regime propaganda is, is huge it's immense it is also here in the state a lot of good people have a very distortionate ideas of what is taking place in cuba because they are they have been only exposed to the um to the propaganda mm -hmm. of the of the regime in the in even in the American academia in the American press you can see lies and you can see the footprints of the uh, regime propaganda on uh, behind those those lies and also because the poor communication that Cuban has I mean I, I, we're talking my, my father has never I mean he had a Twitter account the the last year of his life yeah. during the Varela project there was not social media there was not even the the poor communication that the Cuban people has right now was non-existent there was like um landlines so uh, yeah. te telephones uh, it, it was it was like it was actually a crime to own a cell phone in Cuba wow that was a crime till till 2006 hey right wow. um so under those conditions, it's very hard. And of course, there are always uh, misunderstoods between uh, among the the even the, the good Cubans, among the people that once changed uh, and, and the lack of communication made that that misunderstandings even bigger. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's and something I, that we need to, to and, I, and I think that's a very true statement because, you know, even just from generation to generation, there's a, a, a very weird... Uh, understanding of Cuba, the regime, and how it affects us here in the United States, and specifically here in Miami. Where could what sources could we use? How could we, you know, find information that is true that we can actually use against, you know, these types of of you know misunderstandings? Well, I think that now the there is a very a, a very alive and vibrant. Um, independent media yeah. in Cuba. Sadly, it's mainly in Spanish. I, mean, I, 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 I will refer any of the Cuban independent outlets that are written from Cuba, but also from the outside with Cuban, um, uh, with Cubans from the inside um, collaborating. All of them are very good. The yeah. most part of them, I mean, I think all of them are, are, are in Spanish. Um, 
it's very important the work that uh, several organizations here in Miami make to try to translate that. And I can mention, for instance, Babalu blog. I can mention also the blog of uh, John Suarez. We in Cuba de Sida, we try to uh, to translate as many information at, uh, at English as, as we as we can. And you can you can go to our website, which is cubadesida.org. Uh, but uh, I would use this opportunity to invite you guys <laughs> also to be part of that process, to be part of that exercise, to help us not just translate, but to help us adapt our message to the to the codes and the understanding of the American public. And the culture. Exactly. Like when exactly. like when we use the word propaganda, that's a, such a foreign word mm -hmm. to Americans because you know, even though they kind of understand propaganda because we do it as mm -hmm. Republicans and Democrats yeah. and independents, we yeah. see it we see it in politics a lot. But when we think of another country having people here that work only on messaging a certain message that's foreign to us. We don't, I'm sure we, we never thought about Russia having tentacles exactly. to be able to do. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I guarantee you 99.9% .9 of Americans have no idea that Cubans can do that too. Which is, which is understandable because it's not something that a democratic uh, mindset mm -hmm. has in the spectrum. <laughs> you, you don't think how to interfere in the internal issues of other country, but that's uh, 1.0 in the in the communist manual. I mean, mm. that's something that the, 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 the propaganda, the use of propaganda from Gramsci till Lenin till Fidel Castro, yeah. the, the, the infiltration of the culture is part of what communists do. Wow, and we have. Yeah, that's, I, that's what I mean. I like, we don't think about. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah. Well, guys, it is on the manuals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How and, can you, how can you, we love that because how can you help people like us that were raised here and even younger people like, like JC understand how it works in Cuba? Like how a person living there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's another challenge because it's so different. It, it, the, the Cuban utopia is so different from uh, the experience of any democratic country, so different from United States, especially now in which Cuban people are living through one of the biggest humanitarian crises in the history of these 62 years. I, I, was, a, I was a child in, in the 90s where the Periodo especial, the special period took place, and maybe uh, your public is um, familiar with the special period, uh, which was a moment in which the Soviet Union collapsed. So the Cuban regime, that have been always a parasite of another um, a structure or another state, was broken. And the ones that suffer, of course, was not the table of the Castro family, but the table of the Cubans' families. And, and, and there was a starvation in Cuba. That is happening again. And many people is telling me from the island that it's even worse. There, are, there is no food. There is no way to find food. You cannot access the food. And people, please listen. I'm talking about food. I'm not talking about vacations. I'm not talking about um, the right to 
express your opinions and talking about food. That's the level of scarcity in Cuba. The people, and when, I'm, when we talk about poverty in Cuba, which is an issue not just in Cuba, it's an issue in the United States, it's even a bigger issue in Latin America, there are levels of poverty. Uh, there is people that have, for instance, have no access to electricity in a continuous way. That happens in Cuba every day. But the thing in Cuba is that there is no food. No, you're not just poor. You are unable to feed your family in a, a, a with the regularity and and the and the level that is needed to to maintain nutrition, for instance. So I think in this country, a lot of people are so dislocated from that that they think, well, how can that last? Like, why do people allow that? Why, mm. uh, how many people are part of, as an example, Movimiento San Isidro? Is that a hundred people? Is that thousands of people? Uh, how does that break down in Cuba? That's a, that's a, that's another very good question, Damien, because part of the propaganda is, a, a, is to elaborate myths that, um, then remain in the imaginary of the people, uh, even when they are maybe partial truths from 30 years ago. The reality is that the Cuban people haven't ever stopped rebelling against that country, against that 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 regime. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, I'm sure you know about the thousands of a. Uh, of arbitrary executions that took yeah. place from the beginning on the island. I'm sure you know about the- And they still happen today? Well, my father was one of those yeah. extrajudicial killings. They are not, uh, I don't know how to say fusilating in-, in, in Assassin, uh, like They're not shooting, killings. yeah, exactly, no, uh, anymore. Firing squads. Yeah. They are not firing a squad anymore that we know because there are many things that we don't know, but they are still committing extrajudicial killings. Um, of course, after you kill thousands of people, then you could go more uh, slow with, 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 with the rest. But I'm sure you know about the tens of thousands of political prisoners that have been in the Cuban prisons for decades. Right now, there are more than 150 political prisoners and counting and, and not mentioning the thousands, at least 5,000, mainly young Cubans that are behind bars without even committing a crime. Because they use, um, they use, a, they use an, a, a law that they invented that is called um, pre-criminal dangerousness which is something yeah. like a minority yeah. report. Yeah. Right, like you may commit exactly. a crime. Exactly, you may commit a crime. Yeah. And especially if you're young, if you are uh, against the system, uh, then you probably are going to commit a crime. Yeah. Well, they use that a lot against gay people. Exactly. Uh, if you wore if you wore loud colors, yeah. that was a reason to stop you yeah. because Ex you might be gay <laughs> back then. Well, Back then, yes, of course, that they are not sending gay people or religious people to concentration camps anymore, but they are still uh, persecuting diversity. They are still and, and, and very aggressively persecuting anyone with an alternative expression. An alternative is not just, hey, I want a multi-party system. Alternative is anything that do not it is that cannot be framed or that do not submit 
today I will. You wouldn't know that though, because on the world stage, they talk a lot about LGBTQ rights. They have Mariela with Senes. Well, right. Yeah. They have, she's come to the US, been invited to a few LGBTQ pride parades and have led those parades, which is... Which is, uh, which is infuriating <laughs> for the Cuban people. And especially for the, uh, for the LGBT Cuban community that have been so, so abused by this regime, but the regime that that woman defend is infuriating. And, and that's why it's also, that's why our, so many members of that community that are explaining that situation, explaining how the Cuban regime now use their flag right. to, to abuse them again mm -hmm. by lying to the, uh, to the international community, by lying to the, Cuban, uh, to, the, to the Cuban people. And they do that almost with everything. But why? Why would they, what do they get out of it? Is it, you know, monetary reasons? They, they're going to bring in more international visitors, dollars, why Why go through all that? That's a very good one because they, it, it, it checks several um, several goals. One of them is money yeah. because there are a lot of, I mean, when you go to United Nations or even European Union, corporate, international cooperation agreements that give money to, um, to civil society, to these kind of causes, and they want that money for them. Mariela Castro um, and his and her CNSX is a recipient mm -hmm. of cooperation from European Union, <laughs> and they portrayed to the to the European Union as an independent uh, NGO. Come on, there are gongos which are um, designed to capture all the money that comes from the international cooperation. That's one of them. But the second one is to also, again, to be able to portray a distortional image of the Cuban reality. And they go and uh, talk about the gay rights that they do not respect or the women issues or uh, the access to the right to have access to water and that in that way they avoid to talk about the freedom of expression the freedom of association the liberation of the political prisoners the right to have your your own ngo or political party the right to decide your future which is in the base to be able to have all the other rights. Right, right. <laughs> um, right. It's like step one. Exactly. But uh, just just remember that they know all the systems, mm -hmm. even the international system. They know what is cool to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And right. they use it. And they use it. And at the same time, they uh, they beaten the uh, the people in a in a in a in a gay. Um, march that took place like a, a year ago i'm sure you remember that mm -hmm. huh? uh, they have no respect for for true or reality they, and and we have to understand that they could always lie and they do it there is no any commitment mm -hmm. with true or, or or with reality and that's why and they they have been they have been behaving like that for 62 years and the sad part is that for a big they have been the only source 
because the other sources have been so small and so persecuted that didn't have the only this voice. Exactly. They're the only voice. Yeah. So that's the only thing anybody hears. I mean, I know as a gay Cuban person, it's very, very frustrating because I hear from everyone, right? Since I fluent in Spanish and English mm -hmm. and family and friends, I see all the realities. But then what I see locally, and this is why I think it's such an important local issue, what I see in news that's covered, I see mojitos, I see classic cars, mm -hmm. I see colorful neighborhoods, mm -hmm. the wonderful tourism. Nobody talks about the sex tourism. Nobody talks about the sex trafficking. Nobody talks about, it's all kind of just, oh, you're going to have a wonderful time because the Cuban people are so nice. I don't think they understand. And they do. They have a great time. Yeah. They, they don't see the rest of the island. So they get this very, very specific But experience. we also don't really cover it here, which I think right. that's the part that dumbfounds me. I mean, if you're in Miami and your media, why, why aren't they talking to you or more people like you? Because thousands. I tell my friends, why do you go to Havana to learn about Cuban people and you don't go to Hialeah? Exactly. It's yeah. the same people three mm -hmm. years later. They're all trying to what, get out. Like, what could we do here to help Cuban citizens, or even less, even if we're being specific with LGBTQ, because obviously that's our avenue. Um, but you know, we have we're our families are all Cuban. We all have ties to Cuba in some way. Why should we help Cuba? Why should we help Cuban citizens? And how do we how do we even do that? Yeah, that. Uh, uh... In Miami, is um, that's a very. Uh, easy and immediate there is a very easy and immediate answer to that mm -hmm. and it's hey it's your family right right <laughs> right i mean we're not talking about that poor people miles away that you don't know about yeah you're talking about your family your history you you're talking about you and you're also cuban um but Americans in general, mm -hmm. and when I say Americans, not just uh, the people from the United States, I mean, the people of the Americas have been also subject to the interference, the criminal activities, the threats to the national security of many countries, including the United States, the threats of the massive exodus that they uh, implement one and again uh, in history till the sonic attacks that just took place in 2016 and 2017 in Havana. And, and, and they were the, the first of many others. Just two days ago, the, the New York Times was publishing that more than uh, 130, I think, uh, American uh, functionaries have been victims of this uh, directed energy weapons that they don't really know what are yet or they are not telling us. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that nothing like that could take place in Havana without the participation and the knowledge and the complicity of the Cuban regime. Maybe that took, that could take place in the United States without the, of course, without the government participation. But in Havana, come on. Every inch of the country is, is under surveillance, especially those inches around the houses of the diplomats and around and around the embassies. So there is no way in the world that something like that could happen 
without the participation of the given regime, even if the weapons are Russians or I don't know yeah. what are the who are the owners of those of those weapons. But I know for sure that that cannot took place in Cuba without the Cuban regime participation. Mm -hmm. So just imagine if they are ready to do something like that, to injure 26 American diplomats and 15 Canadians, which is, in my opinion, that should be considered an aggression. Imagine what they have been doing in the rest of the region. Just take a look to Venezuela. We, we couldn't be talking about Venezuela about the collapse of the democracy there without the participation of the Cuban regime. The Cuban regime till today coordinate, till today they give the orders of the repression in Venezuela. They are in charge of the, of the repression of the military. They are the chief of the counterintelligence. Contra in Venezuela, imagine the amount of Cuban G2 agents, Cuban state security, the, the Cuban KGB right, that right. are in Venezuela or in Bolivia. So why do you think the US's policy to Venezuela is very clear against that regime? When it comes to Cuba, it wants to engage. Well, I hope that they are um, this. I, I hope that they are changing that that position, especially when we're talking about the the, the Biden administration, which is a democratic administration, and and that we could think that could uh, tend to go in the same direction that the Obama administration did. I hope they don't. I don't. I I, I have reasons to to hope because during all these months, the, what the administration have been saying is that uh, they are under a policy review and the human rights, democracy, and the right of the Cuban people to determine their future, which is what we do in Cuba City. Exactly. Are going to be in the center of that. We hope so. And we, of course, are, are, are uh, in the best um, disposition to help in that regard. Actually, uh, um, we uh, we are part of a, of an initiative which is actually a space. It's not it's not like it's not a group or a coalition. It's just a space to put ideas in common. Uh, it's called Pasos de Cambio. Uh, so steps, steps of change. Yeah. yeah, steps of change. Thank you. Sure. And um, actually, uh, in uh, it has like several topics. And the Cuban civil society organizations and Cuban citizens also mm -hmm. could could put their their proposals about those topics. Uh, of course, the most important are uh, citizen mobilization. What can we do to change things in Cuba or transition process? What, how do you see the Cuba transition process uh, and the, and the day after the liberation? But others are. What do you think the European Union should do? What do you propose the United States should do to help? What do you propose the governments of the America should do? And there are uh, very good proposals there. Uh, more than more than fifty Cuban organizations from the civil society and the opposition participate. Actually, hundreds of citizens also participate. And they, they there was a very clear consensus about 
the President of the United States and the Congress of the United States should make no unilateral concessions to the Cuban regime till very clear steps are taken in the direction of the recognition of human rights. And those human rights are association, expression, possibility to, uh, to, to, to have free elections, liberation well, of the would, political prisoners. What would some of those, I mean, I'm, I'm curious as to what, what they would think would be a good first step. Because the only thing I can think of is like full infiltration, right? You, <laughs> you like run on the island and no. you grab, you know what I mean? What would be the no, first step? I, How I, would you even? Yeah, you don't, I'm not thinking about that. Actually. Right, right. <laughs> I, I, I'm not thinking about that. I mean, uh, do you remember the beginning of the conversation? We, we Cubans, we have in us the strength to change the things. I'm, I'm yeah. positive about it. That's good. But we also need the international support. This is not 1960s anymore. <laughs> it's not 1980s. It's not 1990s. Right. Fidel Castro is dead. Hugo Chavez is dead. Raul Castro is probably dodging. And the sons, grandsons, this corrupt mafia that rules the country and that is a threat even to the national security of this country could be pressured. And that pressure should be in the direction of supporting what the Cuban people is demanding, which is the right to decide. Yeah. Which is a transition. Human rights. So cut, exactly. cut, cut them off of supplies Exa and things like of that. Of course. I mean, go to be 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 bold. Target them Strategic. personally. Mm -hmm. Target those that are in charge of repression. The persons, not the state, the persons. From Raul Castro. Till Lopez Callejas, which is the uh, which is in charge of the military conglomerate, and has all the resources that belong to the Cuban people, to the uh, to the head of the repression in the island, to each one of the representatives that right now are in charge of repressing those that are on the streets, mm -hmm. demanding change. But you could also go creative and try to support directly the Cuban people in the middle of this crisis. We implement a, a, um, an initiative to try to send humanitarian assistance to the island. We collect tons, tons of food and medicine, and we put those tons of food and medicines in the Puerto of Mariel, in Cuba, mm -hmm. and the Cuban regime stole it, everything. In the middle of the crisis, they, they confiscated the food and the medicines that were that were for the Cuban families that are starving and that need so medicine. How do you help? Going yeah, back to his yeah. like if you're trying to here do something good here, like what would you recommend people? Uh, help us spread the voice. Help us uh, explain the Cuban situation. Help us um good points. Yeah help us help us to translate what is going on on the island, the, the, the harsh reality, but also our demand for change, what people is doing in the street, help us spread that voice in, in, into the American public, but also help us to um, make the representative of the American people coherent to, with, that, with that feeling. Help us put them in the position of supporting the Cuban, the Cuban civil society, the Cuban opposition, the Cuban people, preventing that any coin of that, of that aid goes 
to the regime. To the regime, you have to go with targeting sanctions, with pressure, also inviting the rest of the region. Because this is not a United States problem. There is not a conflict between the, between the Cuban people and the United States government. That's a lie. We want to be free and we want to be friends. It was a phrase that my father repeated when he when he I talked mm. when he talked about United States, and that's the reality. That's what we feel. I mean, but what do you say? What do you say to people in America and Europe who are like, you know what? What you're saying is pro how do I know that what you're saying isn't the propaganda? And our countries have our own problems. Look at us. We have a, a systemic issues with racism. We have all kinds of issues, and like every country has issues. So why is Cuba any different? It's just their own, you know, their own particular issues uh yep and and you can always uh, you can always put that um masquerade of cynicism about uh, the the reality of others but never forget that the cuban reality not just affect cubans have very specific and concrete consequences in the rest of the region from the exodus of mariel to the exodus of millions of venezuelans right now in colombia and in uh, and, and and in the whole continent that we wouldn't be dealing with that if the cuban regime yeah. were not in place so to for the continent to have tolerated 62 years of totalitarian regime in of communist dictatorship in Cuba has had terrible consequences from the political and democratic instability in many countries of the region till the suffering, the specific economical suffering of the people, not just the Cuban people, not also the Venezuelan, as the Bolivians, what they were uh, facing, as the Nicaraguans, what they are facing, and ask yourself if we had if we have been dealing with these issues without a dictatorship in Havana, the answer is very clear. We, the, the head of the octopus of the instability in the continent is in Havana. So we have to target the head. Of course, we have to deal with the, with the hands, but we have to target the head in a moment in which we have a possibility to, to success. And the Cuban people is in the streets demanding that change. Mm -hmm. Well, Rosa Maria, first of all, I want to say thank you for being here with us. We are going to continue this conversation. I want to make sure that everybody knows that we're doing an event next Friday, May the 21st, with uh, the Miami Film Festival, Miami-Dade Community College at the Tower Theater. It starts at 7. There will be a movie, Juan uh, de los Muertos, at 7 o'clock. Yep. It's the 10th year anniversary. Mm -hmm. And right after, at 9 o'clock, we'll be doing a panel discussion with you, Hatzel Vela from Channel 10, mm -hmm. and um, Vanessa Garcia, who's a very well-known writer okay. uh, with Amparo. She helped, she was mm. one of the team that created Amparo. So we're really looking forward to that conversation. We, as Forward Miami, are committed to spreading the word. Anything that helps people communicate, helps them discuss and see through any kind of propaganda. I know in the LGBTQ community, for years and years and years, I've had to deal with just those, you know, kind of just honestly shutting up mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. And I think now is the time to speak up. Yeah. So the more we speak about this, the better we are as a Miami-Dade community, because that's the only way we can work on our issues together by understanding them. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. No, thank and where, you can, where can they find you and where, where, where can they find Guadalajara? 
Uh, well, we are in, in, in all the, the social networks, in Twitter, in Facebook, in Instagram, and in all of them, we are Cuba Decide. Um, you can, of course, always go to my networks also. It's Rosa Maria Paya in, in all of them. And uh, the, the most important thing here that I think is the one that we have discussed once and again, everybody could make something. Yeah. Everybody could take an a step. Everyone Everybody, could take, a everyone step. Could take an, an action. Yep. So we 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 have the disposition and and actually we ask you to take that action with us to help us to change the things in Cuba, not just for the Cuban people, but for the whole for all of us. For all yeah, of absolutely. us, absolutely, absolutely. Well, for the number four W A R D Miami, also we'll have information. Thank you very much. And we will uh, we will be looking for you next Friday at four. Again, four W A R D Miami dot O R G.